Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports speed on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett, alongside my co-host for the 5 o'clock hour, Eric Hansen, the publisher, the editor, writer, tech support. I was tech support today. Were you again? (laughs) Sometimes you have to do that, but all went well, I assume. It it was a longtime subscriber, and he was having trouble, and so I agreed. I agreed to help him. Look at you. Yeah, see, I got tech support from you to say, Eric, you cannot talk into a mic that's six feet from your mouth. I was going to give you the X signal, but that meant something else. So I just pointed to the microphone. I had you like on full blast on the volume. The X symbol means go get me some coffee. (laughs) I need something caffeinated at this point. Well, we welcome you to the program as you listen to us. You're always invited to check out Eric's website, InsideIndieSports.com. Of course, lots of football news, but also a recap of last night's mind-numbing Notre Dame basketball loss to North Carolina State, 54-52. NC State did not have the lead for the first 39 minutes, 59 seconds, and what, nine-tenths before they scored a go-ahead field goal with a tenth of a second on the clock and a stunning defeat for the Irish. It felt like they had a little momentum coming out of the Virginia game, and they got off to a great start last night. They were up 12 in the first half. They were up 11 with eight minutes to go in the game. And you're thinking, wow, they're starting to play better basketball, starting to turn the corner. And then 
NC State offensive rebounding, just some hiccups handling the basketball, and just like that, the lead was gone. NC State ends the game on an 8-0 run, Eric, and, and that's one. And I know Notre Dame is developing a new culture, new program, new players, so we're not counting wins this year. At least I'm not. This is more about – Taking this is like steps, T-ball. You're yeah, not yeah, it's, it's taking steps toward right. the future. We're, we're counting right. points, but I'm not overly concerned because it's going to take a couple of years to get this thing rolling once again. But just from a fan standpoint, supporting the team, it was a kind of a punch to the stomach, and I can only imagine the migraine headache that Micah Shrewsbury had after that game last night. That's got to be a win. Got to be a win. So we'll talk more about this game coming up at 6.05 here on WSBT Radio. Coming up later on, the top five Notre Dame scoring plays from the Sun Bowl. We've got Sizzler, our sports wagering segment. I can tell you I went 3-1 and one last night with our picks, so we're off to a 7-3 and three start. And, Eric, if you have bet $10 on all 10 of my picks so far this year, you're up $31.63. 3163 on $10 dollar bets on the first 10. So we're, that's not bad. I I'll, I'll take that. That re, that reminds yes. me of just a real quick story when we were in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, I went out to a casino and I won I I had $20 in my pocket. I was leaving with 27 and I didn't realize that you were just supposed to put your little slip in the machine and it would spit out the money for you. So I went to where the Big winners went Aha! and cashed my, Aha! and they were on the floor <laughs> laughing. They go, "Here's your twenty-seven dollars. <laughs> Don't spend it all in one place." <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Well, you so learn. I learned. So the next time when you win twenty-seven hundred, you can go to that table with your chest and out and say, say, "Here, here's my money. Where's my money?" <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, 512 is our time. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Of course, we've got Notre Dame football topics to get to right off the top of the program. And let's get started with our hat trick of opening topics. Eric, throughout the season, there were times where Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman would talk about how he reevaluates everything within the program. During the offseason, he reevaluated everything, left no, I guess, stone unturned. So now that we have wrapped up 2023, you've got the Sun Bowl trophy in his office. You've got hopefully your coaching staff intact. We'll see if Al Golden gets a better opportunity, but right now, still the defensive coordinator. The portal's still going on, but now you can start to think big picture so let's try to get into Marcus's brain for a second and let's discuss some possible things that he might want to reevaluate during the offseason I'll break it into three categories we'll talk about one offensive one defensive and then kind of a potpourri a smorgasbord you can go any direction that you want so let's start with this on the offensive side of the football, as Marcus reevaluates the offense, where do you think he goes to first? To Mike Denbrock's new office <laughs> and and talks about big picture vision. And really, Mike's got to get 
familiarized and comfortable with Notre Dame's offensive personnel, which he'll have time to do. I mean, since this was a late December hire, he's going to have time to do that. But beyond that, I, I think that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for um, some personnel things. So I think a big thing is what to do about the tackles. Do do they feel like between Joe Rudolph, Mike Denbrock, and Marcus Freeman, do they think they need a portal tackle? Now, we had Brian Harris, former offensive tackle for Notre Dame and current radio analyst for the um, football games for the network on our podcast today, and he doesn't think that they should go after a portal tackle. He thinks there's enough talent, and Notre Dame should develop that talent for that particular position. Um, but you could argue that depth could become a problem. Let's say yeah. somebody got hurt. And and again, both I do agree with Ryan on this. I think Emil Wagner is very much in the picture to be a, a starter at one of the tackle positions. But um, so I think that's a big one because you want to get that offensive line. That's your really your biggest question mark that will be going into the Texas A&M game is going to be the offensive line. So the sooner that you come up with some direction with that, I think the better. And then really, how much is the offense going to change because you're having a quarterback competition, but you have to kind of assume that Riley Leonard's going to win this. You can't say, well, we don't know, so we're not going to put in quarterback runs until we know for sure it's Riley Leonard. I mean, and even Steve Angeli, I think – if Steve Angeli wins it or if Riley Leonard gets hurt, I think Steve Angeli would be more of a running quarterback in in Notre Dame's new offense with Mike, Mike Denbrock as the offensive coordinator. I think those are two things. Another thing is Notre Dame has done this um, pretty, pretty rigid positions with their wide receivers, the boundary, the field, the slot. Does Mike want to play with that structure a little bit? Is there somebody like Jaden Greyhouse that he thinks, or Jaden Thomas, that he thinks can play multiple positions and do it well? So some of those structural things, but uh, I would start with getting that offensive line situation and then deciding who's going to be in the mix to be competing for those interior spots. And and that was an interesting I'll just share Ryan's yeah. Ryan's opinion. He thinks Pat Coogan had a great season, and he thinks Billy Shrouth will be somebody. And then kind of Rocco Spindler's going to have to compete against those two. I, I would that agree goes against with the, the grain, I thought, well, of what I think, we saw this year. I think Shrouth certainly played well in the games that he was in. I, I still can't believe he got beat out, but – he has the traits you're looking for. He has the traits yes. that I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> and then the center position kind of up in the air. I mean, yeah. it could be Coogan. It could be Craig. Yeah. It could be a wild card. So, Since you went first on this question, you stole all the good ones, which okay. I'm glad you did. I knew you were going to. So I'm going deep down my list of okay. things to reevaluate on offense, and I'll leave you with two much less important than the ones you talked about. And you can say yay or nay to these. Maybe these are not a big deal. But one thing I wrote down was skill position rotations. Mm-hmm. Eric, there were just times in big games, and the one that stands oh, yeah. out is the Ohio State game 
Audric Estime with five minutes to go. Notre Dame trying to run out the clock. First play, he rumbles for 10-plus yards, gets a first down, and was not back on the field again. Even though he was jumping up and down, I think they had to hold him on the sideline. But, Eric, that's just one example of some moments where I just feel like even though you have a deep running back position, and I'm not just pointing out the running back spot. I'm just using this as an example. You've got great depth, but sometimes, Eric, in fact, more than sometimes, you got to go to your horse. And your best players have to be on the field in the best moments. So I just would like them to reevaluate how they rotate at times. And, heck, we had a five-headed running back monster this year. It could be six, <laughs> it feels like, in 2024. Not realistic, but... With the way they use bodies and with the schedule mid part of the year, you could see a lot of choices at the running back position. But overall on offense, I think maybe some reevaluation of skill position rotations in key moments. I think that's great. I, I came up with another one if I'm not. Go ahead. Being a Don't steal my other one. Answer though. hog. No, go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, again, when you look at Notre Dame's national stats, you go, how is this team not? competing for a playoff spot how did this not happen and then you go back and the disparity between them mm. against everybody else in the three games they lost is incredible gap you it's don't the grand see, canyon yeah you don't see you see differences you generally don't see that big of a gap and i do think you go back over even though you have a different coordinator and a different offense and a different dynamic go back and say what happened wrong in these games? Let's make sure we're not repeating it again. I mean, it was eight in the box, and Notre Dame, and Notre Dame had the problem in the game they won against Duke with that. So how do you solve that? I think Mike Denbrock is going to have the answers, but I do think you need to look back at those games. You do play Louisville again. You don't play Clemson. Right. And you, don't, uh, you do play um, – No Duke. No Duke. And Ohio State, I don't think they they didn't have that problem. They didn't score very much against Ohio State. Their fourth and one plays weren't very good in that game, and there were some other things. But it wasn't the same dynamic that they had in the Louisville, Clemson, and Duke games. Okay. My final reevaluation on the offensive side of the football is a Marcus Freeman self-evaluation. Yeah. I think he does a great job of trying to prep for anything that happens in a game. I think he is organized. He thinks ahead. But I'd like for him to go with his gut a little more on decisions because there were a couple of game decisions on offense that were head scratchers highlighted by the Louisville game. Down by two scores with 10 minutes to go. Fourth and, what, 18 from inside your own 40. They went for it when punting the football made more sense than going for it on fourth down and a million because you were going to get the ball back twice. So there was still time to get back in that game. That's one example. I think there were some timeouts in that Louisville game that didn't make sense at the end of the first half. So I think he does a great job of trying to think ahead. But I'd like to see him get away from the analytics a tad bit, Eric, and go with his gut in some of those key spots. Yeah, absolutely. And I would have I would have covered that in the game day operations yep. thought because – and, and I think even Marcus mentioned it leading up to the bowl game. He thought he went on fourth and one too much or fourth down too much 
when he had a kicker that could knock it through from 50-some yards. At the end of the year, I mean, he was yeah. incredible. He missed one field goal over the last eight games, maybe, after having some accuracy issues early. And we saw, you know, Alabama's kicker making some big-time field Will goals Riker. that that kept them giving giving them a chance to at least get into overtime before they had the fourth down call in the second overtime. Next week, I'm calling bleep on Dan Orlovsky. Okay. The ESPN broadcast. Remember how he defended Tommy Reese at any point when he was the Notre Dame offensive coordinator? He made some weird comments against on ESPN after the Alabama-Michigan game that were just quite revealing and that he wasn't such pro-Tommy Reese anymore. And I want you to play the audio because I can't go into much detail, but we've had conversations about people that you know that have worked against Tommy Reese, and they have a theme about facing Tommy Reese that showed up again in the Michigan game. So I'm going to play the audio next week. Okay. That's a long way to go to tease, but Orlovsky, I don't know. He was just so quick to rip any Notre Dame fan that said anything about Reese last year, but now – when the same thing happens, now he's all over Alabama for being so awful on offense. It, it was really weird. Okay, back to what we're here to do. Reevaluate everything within the Irish football program, something Marcus Freeman does during the offseason. So now let's go to the defensive side of the football, Eric. What would be on the top of your list, which this is going to be a tough list to put together when you're number five in total defense, Number one in pass efficiency defense. This is an already outstanding unit with great parts coming back. It is. Um, you know, they got better at the things that they were bad at early yes. in the year. They were a much better run defense at the end of the year. They were way better on third down at the end of the year. They were way better at rushing the passer. They went from in the hundreds to, I think, 44th in sacks. Can I add it? Even from last year to this year, red zone defense. <laughs> red zone defense and turnovers yeah. gained were two. I mean, they moved up like 100 spots in each of those. It was very dramatic. Um, you know, I think the one thing that Marcus likes to do, he says, I like to play with a light box. They are very proud of that pass efficiency defense. Mm-hmm. They are they are the statistical champions. They had the best pass defense in the country this year. First time Notre Dame has been able to say that since that was an invented statistic. And, um, but I think there were games where they maybe could have mixed it up a little bit more with bringing a safety into the box against run heavy teams. I think Duke would have been a game where that would have paid off. I think they could have defended Duke's receivers in a heavier box. But n- not a lot. I mean, I, I think that just um, getting the right people in the right places, getting the rotation, I mean, there are certainly positional things they're going to have to figure out. Who are the field ends behind incoming transfer R.J. Oban? Who are the safeties to go along with Xavier Watts? They're looking at a portal guy this weekend and Rod Hurd the second, although, again, they're competing yep. with Michigan for him um, and Michigan State, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure how that's a competition, but um, I think they have a lot of NIL to kick around I, I from guess. what I'm told. I guess. And so, uh, <laughs> but, but you look 
up and down what they did. And, and again, within the season, the things they weren't good at at the beginning of the season, they were good at at the end of the season. And so, I mean, we didn't see safety blitzes from the parking lot. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would say maybe maybe pressuring inexperienced quarterbacks. I, 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 I don't think that in the Clemson game it was Al Golden's best defensive game plan uh I think I would have played that's a game I would have played with a heavier box um just to put because Cade Klubnick wasn't in a role at that time but man you're splitting hairs right now come on this is the number five defense in the country Eric the Notre Dame defensive game plan was 80 percent better than the Notre Dame offensive game plan that day <laughs> it was way better goodness gracious I'm, I mean this is like Seriously, when somebody says, do you want a T-bone or a boneless ribeye? And you're like, gosh, how do I decide? How do I criticize one or the other of those? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hold my thoughts because I think you covered it perfectly. So let's go to the final reevaluation. This is kind of, you can go anywhere. If you're Marcus Freeman, you look at the entire football program. Where else do you reevaluate during the offseason? I think certainly why they were not a good road team. They weren't a good road team, didn't start well on the road, was, you know, they need to look at the whole operation. When they leave, when they go to bed, I don't know. Um, certainly how they deal with noise. Um, I think that comes with the more experienced offensive coordinator, right. to be quite frank. Right, but – then he'll help hopefully have some answers. Um, yes. The game day operations, how do they never have a circumstance where they have 10 men on the field? Um, twice. And, and, <laughs> twice. <laughs> and you mentioned about using analytics versus using the gut and, um, you know, kind of reviewing some of those decisions. You know, he's going to have another accurate kicker and and Mitch Jeter coming in from South Carolina, who's missed two field goals in the last two years. So again, do you take the points in some of these situations? Um, I think because the whole dynamic of college football is changing so much, you really have to be in step with your locker room culture. How is NIL changing that? How do you, I mean, certainly, Maybe the best testament to Marcus Freeman's growth or his prowess as a coach was how a replacement roster basically absolutely obliterated Oregon State in the Sun Bowl, and he had his culture intact with different guys playing. Impressive. And so just staying in step with that stuff, staying in step with NIL, um, keep pushing for – uh, a wider berth in terms of incoming portal guys, which he seems to be successful, and how to mix those portal guys into the into the culture and so forth. I, I think those are the type of things that I'd be looking at. The thing about it is Marcus does all this on his own. It's not like he'd be listening to this radio show, and we sure hope he is a listener, and saying, what are they talking about, and dig his heels in. He... He's a step ahead of us. I mean, when we write columns about what he needs to do, he's usually already done it. 
my outside the box, even though this is not in Marcus's category. This is one of the greatest programs in the history of college football. And we are so lucky to have, I think, one of the top five radio broadcast teams in the country fix the NBC booth. Okay. Someone needs to tell Marcus, fix the NBC booth. He can tell somebody else, and we can get it done. Because the radio call is spectacular. They do an awesome job. 5.30 is our time. I'm going to save a couple other things for later. We're a little behind right now. Okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. No, I, I should have known this was a going to be a long, long topic. So the other two topics we'll get at another time. Well, the one we can't. It's Michigan-Washington. You want to give me anything, a fun fact, or any prediction about Michigan-Washington? And I hope you give the one stat you told me before the show. Well, Can you give it? Yeah, that Michigan... I mean, they faced some very good defenses, but in terms of offenses, eight of the teams that they have played are ranked 99th or worse out of 130 in total offense, which is stunning. The best total offense they played statistically is UNLV at 42, (laughs) and half of Washington's (laughs) schedule is ranked above that. Now, Washington hasn't played as many good defensive teams as Michigan has, but they have played some very good ones. Utah is 13th. Oregon, who they played twice, is 22nd. The other really weird thing about this game is Michigan does not beat itself or hasn't to this point. They are number two in turnover margin. They are number one in the fewest penalties. Washington is one of the most penalized teams in the country. So it'll Mm. be... Turnovers and penalties are going to be really big in this game of such different teams, one that's so offensive-oriented, and we do think Dylan Johnson is going to play, and one that's so defensive-oriented. But I think I think Michigan will score on Washington. I think it's going to be a fun game. Do you have a lean? Who's going to win? I'm picking Washington. I've, been, I've said since the end of September I think they're the best team in the country, and I don't think it's by a lot. I mean, I think all four of those teams on different days could have claimed to be the best team in the country, and I think Georgia on a better day could too. Michigan just has to avoid puking all over themselves like they did at times early in that ball game and got away with it. Yep. They got away with it. All right, coming up next, we have our InsideIndieSports.com chat recap so we'll talk more notre dame football coming up in our next segment eric hansen is the publisher and editor at insideindsports.com i'm darren pritchett this is budweiser's weekday sports beat on sports radio 960 wsbt streaming live at wsbtradio.com and the wsbt radio app notre dame football coverage continues now what's the score nothing nothing who's winning the bears Co-hosting this hour is the publisher of InsideNDSports.com, Eric Hansen. He was bad at Chester Clay. He bad at Sugar Ray. He bad at now. Who that? You, the new boy. Mike, Mike Tyson looked like a bulldog. He bad at him, too. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's 23 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. We you know are, what, Darren? Sometimes when you push the envelope, it gets pushed right back at that's you. That's exactly right. Who the heck is this guy? Whew. 
Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies, visit BethelUniversity.edu slash Solid Ground for details. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. Eric hosts a chat with Notre Dame football fans around the world every Wednesday at noon at InsideIndieSports.com. That's where he covers Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. And we have boatloads of questions we could get to, but we've narrowed it down to a few. And away we go with Matt from Austin, Texas. If Leonard... Carr and Angeli enter the spring in a quarterback competition. I forgot about Minchie, but that's okay. Yeah. What would be the future ramifications if Coach Freeman chose someone other than Leonard? I ask this in terms of NIL fundraising and future portal transfer possibilities. I think the net effect would be that recruits and transfer portal guys would say Marcus Freeman is going to pick the best player, the best player plays. There are no guarantees. There's open competi- open and fair competition. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can ask for from a coach. Unless you're a guy that's afraid of competition, then you shouldn't be at a place like Notre Dame. How's that? If you're going to let NIL decide who starts, you're not going to be a head coach very long. Right. Okay. Aaron from Washington, D.C. Do you see Mike Denbrock maintaining a strong focus on the running game? I do. I think that's kind of in his DNA, but he likes balance. Um, You look at LSU stats, and they were the number one scoring and total offense in the country. They were, I think, third in passing offense and 10th in rushing offense. They were first in yards per carry, um, and they were, I think, fourth in rushing touchdowns. So, he wants to be able to be really good at both. I think when you think about what Notre Dame's personnel looks like and you factor in climate and those kind of things, playing in bad weather, you need to be a good running team. And um, But you want to be dynamic in the passing game. So it's not one or the other, it's both. Well, you can picture the RPO system being important if Riley Leonard is the starting quarterback and what that can mean to the pressure it's going to put on defenses with a 6'5", 225-pound guy carrying the football. Because, Eric, the last few years, when you have a read option, you knew where the ball was going to go. Quarterback wasn't going to keep it. You go back you know, a few years, Ian Book would run the football. But with Sam Hartman, you were never afraid he was going to carry the football. Now, all of a sudden, he can give it to the running back. He could keep it. And all of a sudden, you hope that his deep ball passing gets better because then you can really put a defense in a very difficult spot. And that's something Notre Dame couldn't do last year. Hit the deep ball off a great running game, which is still mind-numbing. Right. Okay, next up, Bob. What about those play-action passes? Whoops. Go ahead. 
We don't run play action against man-to-man, Eric. Remember that. Okay. Bob from Oxnard, California. He says, please predict a depth chart of the entire team. No. Predict a depth chart at field receiver for 2024. And he did say thank you. He did. In advance because he knew he was going to get an answer from me. There's two two wide receivers that are currently, and they're still looking at another portal where I wide receiver, but there's two of the current 10 that I can't place in a position right now hmm. because of depth at a couple positions. Bo okay. Collins, the incoming kid from Clemson, he seems to fit the boundary receiver, but is he really coming in to be number three at that position behind Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey? And then Jaden Greathouse, where does he fit with Jordan Faison, with K.K. Smith, with, with Logan Sedalte all at the slot receiver position, is he a guy that you move around a little bit? But even not placing those guys in a precise position, I went with three newcomers at the okay. field position. Hmm. I went with Chris Mitchell, the Florida International uh, speedster. Speedster. Speedster <laughs> transfer. And then Cam Williams, the mm. borderline five-star and rivals and the five-star and some of the other services, wide receiver from Chicago. And Micah Gilbert, who had a great year. I don't know that he is the burner, but, boy, his route running is great. Um, I I guess that that's the best place for him. I'll let Mike Denbrock decide that, but that's kind of when I went there. I don't think Bo Collins pre- projects over at that side. I just don't see – where he fits unless somebody else left or whatever, but we'll we'll see how it shakes out. Okay, we're going through some of the questions asked Eric in his inside indsports.com chat. Mac wants to know how much did Marcus Freeman improve as a head coach in 2023 and what areas do you feel he improved the most? I think he improved. Um, you know, I think what sticks out is – more to the average fan is are the areas where he still needs to improve but he's got a much better sense of what he wants to do with offense and he has a lot more of a hand in that um and a voice in that before he kind of just said tommy run this the first year um and now he's he's got a voice in what he wants to do there um i think again in terms of dealing with and being ahead of the curve in modern day locker room culture with college football changing so much, he has really improved in that area. I think um, his messaging to the team has been really strong. I think there were times last year, I think when they got kind of into the, they beat Cal, but even that game, the Stanford game, I just thought the messaging wasn't very strong from him in those games. And I think he's picked it up there. So those are some of the things. Um, And I'll tell you what, the guy's really good at making coaching hires, uh, and he's had to do a lot of it. Um, He hasn't had too many clunkers. And the one that stands out as a partial clunker, it was put in a tough spot. Right. Put in a tough spot. Okay, Larry from Topton, Pennsylvania. Larry says, in his opinion – the Notre Dame offense was more imaginative during the Sun Bowl. It might be recency bias, but I thought I saw different formations, more usage of motion, and I remember hearing Gary Danielson compliment the play calling on several instances. 
Eric, how do you see it? Was there more variety in the Notre Dame offense during the bowl game? Your thoughts? I, I think there was more variety during the bowl game, more innovation. Um, and again, you could say, well, you know what? Gino Gadouli had a whole month to, to mess around with this, or, or most of the month. I guess Jared didn't leave until December 17th. So we had a couple of weeks. So it wasn't a ton of time. Um, well, but the offensive was, coordinator all season had a whole offseason to yeah, prepare. Well, and, and I'm just saying, I'm doing the devil's advocate stuff first. But then he, he 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 did have to do this with a almost a completely new set of offensive players as the yeah. starters. I, I thought it was really good. Where I will dock him on this question is Gary Danielson. I think did a really good job for a long time for CBS, and I thought he mailed it in this game. I was really disappointed that with both announcers. Nestler Danielson is a really good broadcast team, but. You could tell they did not put in a lot of homework time yeah. for this game. They missed some obvious things that Notre Dame fans are going to know being right. a Notre Dame fan. If you don't follow the Irish, you probably didn't pick up on it. But, yeah, there were there were a lot of moments that you kind of cringed. Oh, yeah, Jeremiah Love not being, being explosive, explosive, being a power back. It's like, whoa. I think what he might script have, are you reading off of? He might have asked someone and wrote down the wrong name because that's way off. Yeah, way off. Either that, or he got a bad taco. He got a bad fish taco. Maybe that is the case. Who knows? Or maybe some frosted flakes. Remember, once we get one of those hard <laughs> frosted flakes, you're like, ah. Oh. Did you, you know there were six varieties of frosted flakes? I knew there were a few different flavors, but six I did not. I d I just thought it was frosted flakes, and that was it. Can you name them? Isn't there strawberry? Uh, well, I, I did because, yeah, there was strawberry milkshake, chocolate milkshake. Ugh. There was cinnamon toast crunch frosted flakes. There was I've seen that. Minecraft. And then there was, I think, with marshmallows. See, I don't get my grandkids' Minecraft. cereal because I don't think it's good for them. And they like grandpa to cook them breakfast. And so I cook them breakfast. I've ate a lot of egg sandwiches lately. Yeah. I'm on an egg sandwich kick. Yeah, they yeah. they get some choices of what they want Grandpa to cook, and I, I do you hand them a menu? I say this is what I have, <laughs> and this is your choices. So don't order off the menu, or else we're going to the McDonald's for the McDonald's breakfast. I'm just imagining you handing them a menu that you went no. to Office Max and got it laminated. No. No. I'll say okay, <laughs> like even for dinner, I'll say you know I'll cook you something out on the grill. Or you can have these organic chicken nuggets uh, that we're going to cook in the oven. We're going to make it healthy. And they're like, it's okay. They like it. They they have dubbed me. This is the shocker. Okay. Of all their relatives, and they have never had my mom's cooking, or not when they are conscious of it. They were little, little, little. They have dubbed me the best cook of all their relatives. That's that includes cool. their parents. Wow. Their grandmothers. And they also said I was the funniest. Well, I'm not surprised by that. They, but They voted those, me those two things. I don't think I won any other category. They were in the back seat. Three of the six were debating this. See, well, <laughs> I like that. But the fact that Grandpa's in on organic chicken nuggets, I can't believe you came out on top. But 
I credit them for overlooking some things. <laughs> well, I, I'm just trying to give them healthier options. I don't feed them that often. I don't have to cook for them that often. And I thought, well, I'm just trying to be more health conscious for them. Frosted Flakes Minecraft with Creeper Bit Marshmallows. Right. My grandkids like the Minecraft games and, and toys and stuff, so I would imagine that would be a hit with them, but we just don't have cereal at the house. Hmm. Okay. Gosh, I feel bad for having one box of cereal now at home. I feel like oh, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no. I feel icky Love, now. Well, if you came over, I'd fix you breakfast. I'd say, Darren, do you want some eggs? I've Captain Crunch Berries, which kind of hits a spot every once in a well, while but i i the big hit with them this is for just about any meal was this panini press that i got for oh, christmas a couple look at that. and it has a waffle maker uh attachment so they like the homemade waffles and then also grilled cheese on the panini press speaking of food just traveling with the irish hockey team you know we have wonderful spreads to enjoy i'm just imagining being with the football team, what that's like. Oh, yeah. When it's mealtime, holy moly. I've walked through their little dinner thing because they have it up in that second floor of the Goog because they cater all the training table food in there and they eat in the recruiting lounge. Boy, I've walked through that and you just like, whoa, this looks pretty good. That they, might be something to reevaluate and adding an extra room. They are – I mean, that's the – that's list. a big one on the list is to have their own kitchen facility and a bigger place where everybody can eat together. That's in like it. Goog Part 2. Okay. Recovery Space 2. Nice. InsideIndieSports.com Not chat. recovery from the food, but recovery from <laughs> Yes, we understand. <laughs> Final question, Marie from Atlanta. Eric, can you give your overall opinion on the play of the offensive line during the Sun Bowl? And the one coach we had all kind of taken a wait-and-see attitude about is Joe Rudolph. How do you think he did coaching up this young offensive line for the game? I thought he did a really good job with them. He had a lot of different pieces in there. He was going against a veteran front seven that I think was missing one piece out of that front seven. Certainly all the defensive linemen for Oregon State was there, and they were a handful all year to deal with. Um, and I think I'm optimistic. I'd really like to see what Joe Rudolph is like when, once he has a full offseason and he has an offseason collaborating with Mike Denbrock, who mm -hmm. was Ryan Harris's coach in, uh, in college under Tyrone Willingham. He was the tackles and tight ends. He and John McDonnell uh, kind of co- I'd forgotten that name. The offensive line, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. And John McDonnell was a, an analyst with LSU this year, if you can believe it or not. Isn't that funny? Really? Yeah. Hmm. I just when I was when I was writing the Denbrock story that I broke, I was <laughs> um, look. I thought John McDonnell. I wonder what he's doing now. LSU analyst. I like. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh! Incredible. Well. That's just a sampling of the questions and answers that were in the InsideIndieSports.com chat. Did you check your Twitter mentions, by the way, during that segment? I'll let you do that while I say okay. this. If you want to read the entire transcript, go to InsideIndieSports.com. 
rivalsnetwork.com. It is the most popular click each week on the Rivals Network, so a lot of Irish fans checking out what Eric has to say and the questions from around the world. Again, go to InsideIndieSports.com. I think there's a picture of Marcus with Tony the Tiger. That's the picture for the click to that particular article. It is, and I have. Marie did ask me if I've ever, if I met Tony the Tiger. I have not met any serial mascots, and I'm happy that I've never met the Cuckoo for Cocoa Pups bird. (laughs) That might be a my five soon. Who are the five serial characters that you want to meet? Captain Crunch might be kind of cool. I would imagine for most Notre Dame fans, Flutie Flakes will not make the list, considering (laughs) how they felt about Doug Flutie broadcasting their games on NBC. All right, InsideIndieSports.com is the place to go. (laughs) We'll take a timeout. We've got our Twitter question of the day results and a brand-new question to get to next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And we're back on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Our Twitter X question of the day from Wednesday. Of these Notre Dame players, who surprised you the most in 2023? Now, you can look at this, I think, a lot of different ways. It could be someone you knew about and they got a whole lot better. Maybe it was someone off the radar. So I thought there were some different answers that made sense. So here are the four choices I offered. Who surprised you the most this year? Defensive end, you say it better than I do. Javante Jean-Baptiste. Love it. How about offensive lineman Ashton Craig from third string center to starter? Then you've got the lacrosse guy, wide receiver Jordan Faison. And I would say tight end Mitchell Evans stepped up his game a couple of levels in 2023. So who surprised you the most? How would you vote? Jordan Faison. When I saw him running around again, the cool thing about getting into some practices in August is you see people running around and you're like, who's 80? Um, You know, and and you do that with a couple of guys. Luke Talich stood out a walk on safety who's like six four um and he just looked like he fit in and i thought wow you know and it just seemed like in the drills he looked like he belonged and but then he disappeared and then all of a sudden he's the sun bowl mvp and was really really good and he's a freshman and so i can't wait to see him play lacrosse and they're ranked number one in the preseason poll, by the way, that just they came are. out. It, it's going to be, I talked to somebody about that. It's going to be hard for both Jordan and Tyler Buckner to crack that lineup because they have most of their people back. <laughs> wow. So. Okay. So here are the results. Who surprised you the most in 2023? 
This guy surprised a lot of people. There's just a lot of good options. Offensive lineman Ashton Craig got 2.5% of the vote. You could argue, I bet you over half of the Irish fan base didn't even know who that was at the start of the year. I would agree. And now he is fighting for a starting job at center in 2024. I mean, he went into that game against Clemson, and statistically or analytically, he was one of their best players. Crazy. All right, third place in the voting, 7.2% went with tight end Mitchell Evans. At the start of the year, maybe it was going to be holding stays, and then it kind of turned out to be Mitchell Evans having the big year at tight end. Coming off ACL, so leading candidate to start next year. Second place in the voting, a guy that was good at Ohio State, but I think he raised his level of play, and Coach Washington deserves a lot of credit. Javante Jean-Baptiste got 22.9% of the the vote. Did he exceed your expectations? Very much so, including against the run. Winning the vote easily, though, the lacrosse walk-on, Jordan Faison, the wide receiver, got 67.4% of the vote. Being a lacrosse player helped him. How many times did you see that little spin move? In the Sun Bowl, he did it like three times in a row. He was like Dorothy Hamill spinning around near the goal line. But he used that lacrosse move to avoid tackles on on several occasions this year. I am so happy we worked Dorothy Hamill into a football show. I was always Dorothy Hamill over Peggy Fleming, but that's just me. Yeah. I guess I could have went Tanya Harding. (laughs) Does Tanya Harding have a spin move? What was what was her accomplice? Jeff Galugi or Gaduli or I don't know what it was. And that was her hammer guy. So <laughs> it was her, her maintenance guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the other? Who did he hit? What was her name? Oh, I can't. Black remember. hair. Dor was no, it wasn't Dorothy. I don't remember. And she's what? the one that yelled at my leg, my yeah. leg. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't think of her name. All right. I'll continue on. We'll get tweets in a second or you'll find it. All right. We thank you for voting on my Twitter X account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here is today's question. Which of these Notre Dame defensive players that were freshmen in 2023 will make the biggest jump in their game in 2024? So we're talking freshman defensive players who will make the biggest jump in 2024. Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. Thank you. And the guy's name was... Jeff Galuli. So I was pretty close. I, it's almost Gino Gadouli. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. So where were we? Oh. Okay. Which of these Notre Dame defensive players that were freshmen this year will make the biggest jump on their game in 2024? Your options are defensive end, Bubakar Traore. Choice number two, linebacker, Drake Bowen. Choice number three, linebacker Jaden Osbury. And choice number four, cornerback Christian Gray. So which of those freshman defensive players will make the biggest jump in their play in 2024? You can vote for this right now on my Twitter X account at 960 Sportsbeat. It's our Sportsbeat Inside Indie Sports Twitter question of the day. Where is your allegiance? This is a hard question because I like all four of those players. There are four of my, like, football, platonic, X's and O crushes. These are your new Xavier Watts from a couple of years ago. 
Christian Gray really had a chance to prove himself this year, so I'm eliminating him. So it's really the other three. And I'm going really out on a limb because I think Drake Bone will play the most, but I think somehow Bubakar Traore is going to be the guy. He, in the PFF ratings, and again, it's just one tool, he's a top five guy in a very small sample size on their defense, but he was very effective in the reps that he took this year. Bubakar Traore, that's my off-season football infatuation. Wow, okay. Did that surprise you? I think Drake Bowen is going to be fantastic. I think he's got great competition coming in from this next class. I do too. And so BMA, is that right? It? So uh, KVA, KVA. Thank you. So, so where does he p- play? How much do they rotate? Jaden Osbury. If they played a rover full time, I could see him getting a lot more playing time. He impressed the heck. Remember at the spring game, I was like. Jaden Osbury, it just seemed like we were saying his name a lot. Yeah. Number 23. He's impressive. The great thing about Bubakar Traore, if he becomes a great player, you can see Disney making a movie about him, you know? I think Chuck Freebie would make a movie about him because Chuck calls me Bubakar. It's like Akuna Matata. Matata. (laughs) Bubakar Traore. Something like that. All right. So we'd love for you to vote on my Twitter X account at 960SportsBeat. This train is off the rails. It's been off the rails for about 30 minutes, but that's okay. And now we move along to what you will find when you go to InsideIndieSports.com, where all of Eric's work is available for you. Well, I think you should definitely check out our podcast with Ryan Harris. We talked about the new strength coach, Lauren Landau, who Ryan has worked with for seven years or had worked with for seven years. He talked about offensive line and Sun Bowl impressions. We have the chat transcript. We gave you a few of those today. We got video from Kingston Viliamu Asa, who will Uh challenge for a starting linebacker position. We have the Portal Roundup. Nolan Ziegler has found a new home at Central Michigan. Good for him. Lots of basketball news and much, much more. KVA. KVA. That's the initials to know going forward. I mean, and he and Mance, I have talked and. Watching video, he looks college ready. Yeah, he does. Smart, physically imposing. I'm intrigued. I am too. I am intrigued, and that's no disrespect to Drake Bowen, who... That's the reason why, even with just eight linebackers, I think you don't go to the portal for a linebacker. I think there's mm-hmm. so much young talent. You just... If you need another linebacker, you move Kahanu Kia back to linebacker from Viper. He's still probably that linebacker size. He was when he left for his mission two years ago. We'll see where he is. Linebacker position, as Steve Winwood once sang, roll with it, baby. (laughs) They don't need any additions. Yeah. I think they're in great shape. All right. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you this week. Good to talk to you. Absolutely. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday and Thursday when Eric rejoins the program for the 5 o'clock hour. In the meantime, have a great weekend and enjoy, I mean this, your Washington Huskies, the one guy voted them number one most of the year. I hope they get it done on Monday night. So you can just go click number one, Washington, your team, and everybody else is going to follow suit finally. There you go. All right. That's Eric. Check him out at InsideIndieSports.com. It's 610 Sports Update. The Irish basketball team, oh, 
Man, tough, tough loss last night. We'll put that into focus coming up as Sports Speak continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It's important. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat at 621. Great to have you on board as we broadcast here on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett with you, and let's talk some Notre Dame hoops for a couple of moments. There was, I think, a lot of excitement surrounding the Irish basketball team after they clobbered Virginia at Purcell Pavilion on Saturday, 76-54. to I mean, 16 of 23 shooting from the field in the first half against that pack line defense. Those are some highly impressive numbers. We had Notre Dame basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Tuesday. If you missed the interview, you can find it on demand at WSBTradio.com. And it sure looked like over the first shall we say, 42 minutes of last night's game, that Notre Dame was going to pick up a third consecutive victory since that just not good loss to the Citadel by 20. They beat Marist, they beat Virginia, and a chance to beat what was a 9-3 North Carolina State basketball team at Purcell Pavilion last night. Notre Dame built a double-digit lead in the first half. Their biggest lead was 12, right near the halfway mark of the first half. They shot the ball extremely well in the first half last night. 12 of 24 for 50%, 6 of 13 from 3 for 46.2%. And they did a pretty good job on the glass, but that would change in the second half as North Carolina State, who was down 34-26 at halftime, used a rebounding advantage and also some costly mistakes at the wrong time by Notre Dame opened the door for NC State to come back in this game. They were down 11 with under eight minutes to go in the game. And NC State finished the game on an 8-0 run and stole a 54-52 victory from the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame led the entire game. NC State's first lead of the ball game occurred with one-tenth of a second left in regulation time. D.J. Burns with four seconds left. Looked like one of the last options to inbound the basketball to near the free throw line. Did a pump fake, and unfortunately, Keba Jai was defending, and he left his feet. And Burns, very calm, cool, and collected. I mean, he's a big guy, but he can move pretty decent. Rolled toward the lane and had a finger roll field goal with a tenth of a second left on the clock. And that was, unfortunately, the difference as NC State won 54-52. to In the final two minutes, I'm sure this is going to be watched on film. Marcus Burton mishandled the basketball, one of his six turnovers in the game. J.R. Konezny traveled in traffic with 26 seconds left. Julian Roper missed the front end of a one-and-one right before that game-winning shot. So there were many opportunities for Notre Dame to close out the game, but unfortunately they could not make enough key plays down the stretch to avoid turning the basketball over. 
And NC State, to their credit, they took advantage and they won by a field goal with a tenth of a second left on the clock. I mean, you lead the entire game. This just feels more demoralizing than a normal buzzer-beating shot. I mean, you had control of this game with eight minutes to go, and you are, if you're a little stronger with the basketball coming down the stretch, you probably win the game and make a free throw here or there. Just not to be last night for the Irish as they fell to the Wolfpack. After the game, right here on WSBT Radio, you can tell a frustrated head coach, Micah Shrewsbury, met with the voice of the Fighting Irish basketball team, Tony Simeone. 13 offensive rebounds in the second half, and they set the tone to start the second half because we didn't come out and rebound the way we were supposed to. I guess we were reading the paper about how good we were instead of having the discipline to be good again. Uh, the one thing I looked at, you held them to 29% shooting from the floor. It sounds like you're disappointed with the rebounding, but it does seem like the last couple games defensively you've been locked in. Is there something you see there you can hang your hat on going forward defensively? We've been good defensively, mm-hmm. right? Like, they got some – they had 19 field goals. They shot 28% from the field. We got them into the shots that we want them to take, right? They made some tough shots at the end. But you can't give them – they can't get 66 field goal attempts and we get 47. That's the game. Yeah. Offense rebounds is the game. And we started the second half not boxing people out. And they kept getting them and they kept getting them and they kept getting them. And now, like – now it comes close at the end. It shouldn't have never gotten to that point. Um, but, you know, we don't have any discipline. Last one I have is just I, I feel like this team has been pretty good at bouncing back and handling adversity throughout the year. You obviously have a great team coming into town in a couple of nights. Just what do you guys have to focus on and work on to bounce back the way you have a couple times already this year? Discipline. Hmm. Number one thing, right, like end of the play. Don't jump on the shot fake. I've been yelling at the whole the whole game. Now I jump on shot fake and give a guy a layup to win the game. Mm-hmm. Make them score over the top of you the way that we've done, the way that we've built it, the way that we've talked about from day one, and those things don't happen. There you go. Micah Shrewsbury after the game on the Notre Dame Radio Network, heard here on WSBT Radio. Listening to that interview, this comes to mind. I had the great pleasure on a handful of occasions to fill in for Jack Nolan on the Notre Dame Basketball Network calling games from Purcell Pavilion. There was never a big ACC game or a big non-conference game that I filled in for. I think DePaul might have been the biggest name opponent. So the Irish won all those games handily and doing those post-game interviews. It was always fun being around Mike and even when the Irish had a very difficult loss, Mike always had his way of spinning. You know, I love my guys. Hey, we'll we'll get them next time. Keep firing. You can tell the tone of these press conferences and these post-game interviews are going to be totally different. And Mike is no nonsense. You get you got the sense if you're going to throw sugar-coated questions at Mike, he's going to spit them right back at you. He's going to give you a flat-out definitive, straightforward answer. And there's no right or wrong way to answer questions. What Mike did was good for the program at that time, but as this thing is being rebuilt, I really appreciate the candidness of Mike. And I think, Tony, he's going to have to go a different direction with the questions because if you're like, well, we lost, but it's going to be like, no, no buts. We lost the game. So the questions, this is the type of coach that challenges you and makes you better as a broadcaster. I think back to Eric Hansen, who 
learned his way through the business covering Bob Knight. And he's always said, Bob Knight made me such a better writer, a better asker of questions, because he would see right through anything that you threw at him that wasn't right and made him better. And I think this is the type of coach when you're a young broadcaster, he's going to make you better because he's going to challenge you to be even better with the questions that you ask. But I think a very fair question and comment was made in that sequence that the Notre Dame defense was really good again last night. But as Micah said, it's great to be solid defensively, but if you don't box somebody out, you don't put your rear into somebody, you're going to get hurt on the glass. Now, at the end of the game, the rebound numbers, I don't feel like it tells the whole story because it was 42-37 for the game. But here comes the but. 17 offensive rebounds for North Carolina State. Notre Dame usually has a pretty big lineup on the floor, so that is an extremely disappointing number. As Coach Shrewsbury told you at the start of that postgame interview, 13 offensive rebounds in the second half for North Carolina State. So at the end of the day, the Wolfpack averaged 79 points per game. Micah Shrewsbury's team held them to 54 from the field. NC State, 19 of 66 for 28.8%. They were only 3 of 17 from the three-point line for 17%. Those are numbers that you should win the game. But Notre Dame only turned the Wolfpack over four times while Notre Dame committed 13 turnovers. You were minus nine in the turnover category, and your starting point guard had almost half of the turnovers. Marcus Burton, who had 18 points and four assists, but also had six of the 13 turnovers in the ballgame. So defensively, yeah, really good job, but you got to be able to close them out when they miss the shot, get the rebound. Too many second-chance opportunities for North Carolina State in the second half, and they pull out the victory. Even D.J. Horn, NC State's leading scorer, their really good guard averaging 15 points per game, was coming off a 26-point performance with six threes in his last game. He was held to only eight points. He made a couple of threes in the first half, and that was it from the three-point line. So guys like Burton and Roper did a really good job. They had a big hand in controlling Horn in this particular ballgame. Offensively for Notre Dame, Burton with 18, Davis 7, Zona 6. A good shooting first half, different story in the second half, 7 of 23 for 30%. And the Irish in the second half only scored 18 points. 34 in the first half, 18 in the second half. It's disappointing when you're when you're on your home floor that the opposition shoots a couple of more free throws than you did in the game. NC State was 13 of 16. Notre Dame was 7 of 10. 17 offensive rebounds. That might be written on the dry erase board for a couple of days leading into Notre Dame's next game when the level of competition goes up three levels as the Duke Blue Devils come to Purcell Pavilion with their five-headed offensive monster in their starting lineup. Everybody's scoring in double figures. Great guard play. They've got height. This is going to be a challenge for the Fighting Irish defense, and we'll see what Notre Dame does offensively against the Dukies. The Irish are 6-8, and 1-2 and two 
in the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's the Irish and the Blue Devils at Purcell Pavilion Saturday at 6 o'clock. You can hear the game on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Pre-game coverage with Tony comes your way at 5.30. And just to plan ahead, it sounds like the weather might be a little snow in the air coming up on Saturday that we've got one of those basketball, hockey, traffic situations. So if you have hockey tickets or basketball tickets, you need to keep in mind that the Notre Dame hockey game on Saturday against number 5 Wisconsin, that's going to begin at 5 o'clock. So the gates will open at 4 o'clock to get into the Compton. So the hockey fans will beat the basketball fans to the arena. I'm not sure where... They're going to put all the parking. Sometimes they divert the hockey traffic, unfortunately, hockey fans, because of the basketball crowd. But basketball crowd will be in second. That game will start at 6, doors open at 5. So if you're coming out to the game, you might want to come just a hair early to make sure you get to your seat on time, in particular if you're a ticket holder for the Fighting Irish basketball team. So it'll be a fun Saturday, Wisconsin and Notre Dame in hockey at 5 o'clock, Notre Dame and Duke in men's basketball at 6 o'clock. Here, Irish hockey on Quality Rock 94.3 FM, Irish basketball here on WSBT Radio. I'll preview the Irish hockey series against number 5 Wisconsin on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. 26 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. Sports Beat rolls on next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Quick segment here Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Thursday evening. My name is Darren Pritchett. Got some information for you that could come in very handy tomorrow morning. Beginning at 8.30 tomorrow morning, you can purchase two $25 gift certificates to Mishawaka and Granger Barnaby's for just $25. Just go to restaurantoftheweek.com. That's restaurantoftheweek.com. Use your certificates at all three locations, including the corner of Grape and Edison at the intersection of Capitol and Cleveland and their newest location, Barnaby's of Twin Branch on Lincoln Way East, just west of Bittersweet. Come enjoy Barnaby's in Mishawaka and Granger this week's Restaurant of the Week, 8.30 tomorrow morning, two $25 gift certificates for $25 at restaurantoftheweek.com. Well, this is going to be what appears to be a long Indiana Hoosier basketball season. Now, Nebraska is much improved, and it's not a shock. Nebraska won. I picked them last night to win the game in our pick segment. Nebraska minus five. Huskers have already beaten Michigan State and Kansas State on the road. But Nebraska pulled away in the second half, 86-70. to If it was a turnover competition, great job by Johnson and Ware. They each had four turnovers. Indiana had 19 turnovers in the ballgame. And it was a night Indiana shot, 47% from the field, 50% from the three-point line. But they gave up an 86-burger on the road, 15 steals by Nebraska in this ball game and Indiana falls to 10 and 4 overall they've just not looked 
they just haven't looked like a team that's going to get better as the season goes on. But Indiana will try to bounce back. Up next, they'll take on Ohio State. Coming up on Saturday, the Buckeyes nearly blew a double-digit lead at home to Rutgers before pulling out the victory last night. And a big one tomorrow night, number one Purdue hosting number nine Illinois game at Mackey Arena. Fun Big Ten matchup. We'll take a timeout. Sizzler coming up next, 643 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Don't go. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous spicy range rattlers. All made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street. Across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 